What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the Vanguard Project. I'm recovering from a bit of a head cold yesterday, uh, so I apologize if my voice cracks a little bit in these announcements. Uh, today's episode is a bit mushmouthy as well with Mr. Caleb Sorrells of PSC Archery. Every so often, too, I get a little bit ahead of myself uh, and uh, do tend to sound a bit funny, but I did my best to clean it up and uh, make her sound good, so I apologize there. But thank you all for the ratings and reviews. Please, if you haven't yet, take a quick second to uh, rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts uh gives me the warm and fuzzies and i know it does help get the show in front of more people today's episode is indeed brought to you by everly stock for your a few years now i've used a variety of packs and clothing items from these guys and have been a thousand times better off for it uh here soon i'll be getting back into my range routine training practicing having fun and uh, my go-to bag is actually the half track for me, it's the perfect size to carry all my ammo, kestrels, uh, shooting bags, whatever the case may be, uh, the whole nine. Uh, be sure to call the retail store, ask for Tucker, and let them know the Vanguard po podcast sent you to get set up. Otherwise, let's roll an awesome episode. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the Vanguard Project. For those of you new to the show, my name is Austin Jardine, and uh, I'm just some guy outside of uh, Boise, Idaho, that likes to sit and talk to people. Uh, over the years, I've learned to uh, kind of talk to people, learn about them a little bit more, uh, share their life lessons, experiences, and hopefully uh, bring them to you in a way that gets you excited about something, maybe give you some tools and insight to uh, tackle something new or get excited. So with that being said, I've got Mr. Caleb from PSE Archery on the phone with me. And I'm really excited because I've heard, like I was telling you earlier, Caleb, I've got, I've heard your name thrown around a little bit and you're kind of like the guy. So I'm excited. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's Thursday. I, today's my Friday, at least as of recording. And so I'm leaving bright and early to go uh, disappear into the mountains. So I'm like, I've got one more work there meeting later tonight and I'm chomping at the bit to get the hell out of town. Yeah. But, uh, and you're chasing deer, right? I'm chasing deer. Um, and then, nice. uh, where we're headed. Yeah, I've got, so this is my second year hunting. So I'm really excited cause I haven't killed anything yet. So I'm really excited to like actually get it done. So I've got an either sex deer tag and then wolves go. are like everywhere up here. Like we were out two mm -hmm. weekends ago and I saw fresh tracks, like right near our tents, um, for like two or three days straight. So I picked up a couple wolf tags last night in case they decide to get a little, little froggy. Nice. <laughs> but awesome. yeah. Yeah. You never know. Always be prepared. Like they say. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Well, this is, I think this is going to be a fun conversation because this is the first time you and I have talked. So if you don't mind yes, just kind of kicking it off with an introduction of yourself and uh, what you're up to and all about, and then I'll just start rattling off questions from there. Sounds good. Uh, yeah, I'm Caleb Sorrells. I work at PSE Archery. I'm one of the marketing directors. Um, I've been in the archery industry as long as I can remember, really. I, uh, I grew up going to ATA shows when I could, you know, hardly read and picking up different brochures and different things and, you know, just being a shadow, really. And then, uh, you know, as I've gotten older, I started shooting competitively. Um, worked at a, an accessory company called Shrewd Archery for a couple of years. Um, it was mostly like tournament archery stuff. So stabilizers, scope housings, um, different things like that. And then, you know, I made the transition over to PSE 
um, about two years ago now. And I've been, you know, kind of a catch all. If there's something that needs done, that's, that's what I'm doing. Um, developed a lot of, you know, cool relationships and different things over the years. And it's been a pretty wild ride really. Yeah, that's awesome. I, uh, I just bought my first bow about a year ago. So I'm like fresh to the archery scene. And, uh, it's funny because like you and I were talking about rifles before we started recording and like, I feel Mm -hmm. like rifles when it comes in terms of like actually pulling a trigger rifles are much more forgiving than bows. Like I feel like in order to hold a consistent group, archery shooting is so much more difficult. Yeah, Um, I could, I could see that it it's one of those things. Um, you know, I have a couple of friends that have, so my, with rifles, I've been in it like precision rifle shooting. This was really my first full year in it. And, uh, like a lot of things, I was very fortunate to have people that were, you know, deeply involved and had been doing it for years that I could pick their brain and, you know, gain knowledge from. And that's kind of, you know, key and everything really is surrounding yourself with people that know more than you. Um, but it's been, you know, it's been a wild ride. And I would definitely say, if you can be a really, or if you are a really good archery shooter, you can shoot a rifle. I mean, it, it the the same basic motor movements are there, and the same concept as far as target acquisition and aiming. Um, but you're moving one appendage versus <laughs> a bunch of different things yeah. at the same time. Turrets so. and whatnot. Yeah. Did you say you grew up doing archery hunting? Yeah, um, I definitely have. So I. I grew up in Indiana, so the one of the fortunate things about there is everything's over the counter, and you have almost endless, you know, antlerless tags. So, growing up, I actually had never shot a deer in Indiana with a firearm. Everything that I've ever killed has been with a bow. So, um, you know, from the age like eight or nine all the way until present, I've, I still haven't killed a deer in Indiana with a with a firearm, <laughs> which which is kind of odd. I, I you know, I have nothing against firearm hunting. It's just, you know, what my family or what my dad did. And, you know, I kind of took it in stride. I got my first, uh, like long bow when I was three or four. Um, it was a hand built bow by a guy. I can't remember the bow builder's name. And then a couple of years later, I got another recurve from the same guy and it just, you know, it's kind of evolved from there. Yeah. Yeah. So when you, uh, when you started hunting, uh, I mean, I know I've heard back East that hunting back East is much different than, you know, a little bit further out West, just because of the density is in the forest. Is that what kind mm-hmm. of drove your family to being more bow hunters than rifle hunters? Uh, for sure. There, and there's a couple different things. I think, you know, really the passion for it was, you know, it, my dad had a passion for it. He was a diehard traditional bow hunter for a lot of my childhood. And, you know, I remember, you know, barely being able to walk, being all bundled up and he would take a lone wolf climber tree stand and set the seat because it was two separate pieces and you could put the platform. So it was all tree stand hunting to, you know, clarify that. Um, and he would take this climber tree stand that had two separate pieces and he could actually adjust the seat height so low that I would be able to touch the platform while I was sitting in it. And I was, you know, three, maybe four years old sitting in a tree stand with him. And I don't know why he took a little, because I was a rambunctious little thing too. Like (laughs) I like to move all the time. So 
you know, it was one of those things. It's like, I never understood why we never killed anything, but it was probably because I was up in the tree causing havoc for him. (laughs) (laughs) But it's one of those things too. You know, I'm very fortunate to have had somebody like that instill that in me from a very, very young age. Yeah. Where, you know, I can still remember that two piece tree stand, you know, being adjusted to where I could, you know, be involved and grow with it or like grow up and, you know, grow in the sport from yeah. a very, very young age. And you feel like those, that, that, those types of experiences kind of pushed you along into, I guess, both because you said that you competed, right? So did that push you kind of the direction into competition archery and continuing into, uh, still, still continuing to kind of develop in bow hunting? It definitely lit the fire as far as hunting goes. Um, you know, and it's kind of a weird story with the competing thing. It, it wasn't something that he had done a whole lot. He competed in some local 3Ds when he was younger, but it wasn't something that he was diehard into. And um, right around, you know, getting into high school is when I started getting into competitive archery. And, you know, a lot of the stuff I was taught, my, I taught myself how to do, like shooting a back tension release, you know, I, I just bought one and then, you know, taught myself picking people's brains and, you know, try and teach myself in the backyard. Um, a lot of the competition stuff, it was kind of really on my own trying to figure it out. But at the same time, like he had some experience and he was help help me guide through it. But, you know, being able to be connected and surround some, some people, you know, that was really the big key thing. You know, some guys like, um, Lauren Lore, which is a guy that works at Prime Archery. He was a big guy that really helped me getting started. And then, you know, later on, another guy named Dave Cousins, which is, he's been a pro for 30 some years. And I was able to spend a lot of time with him, you know, early in my archery career, I guess you could call it. And uh, he really taught me a lot too. So yeah, it's always been kind of a, a key thing is just, you know, knowing the right people, being at the right place at the right time and asking the right questions. Yeah. Was that pretty organic for you to kind of get involved with some of these guys? Because I, I totally know what you mean, that being in the right place at the right time can make yeah. or break it, right? Did you yeah. kind of actively seek out some of these guys to pick their brains and learn from? Or did you just show up at a 3D range and be like, yo, you're actually this guy. Let me talk to you. Yeah. So the kind of the root of all of it, and it's very, uh, you know, I'm, again, very fortunate with everything my dad owned a game call business when i was really young as well and um he was able to get connected with some of the the key brands or bigger brands um when i was a kid and some of those connections led to being able to get a foot in the door you know down the road um some lifelong friends that work at some you know other companies in the archery industry that you know really helped pave the way for me um but you know when i started taking the initiative with target stuff it was an easy easy way for me to you know continue on and make some of those own connections you know from there moving forward okay okay now did you when you started getting like more into i guess turning archery you know competitive shooting and bow hunting into the lifestyle that you've got now did you know that you wanted to turn it into a career or was that something entirely of its own accord um you know and it's it's kind of a common thing, you know, when I was younger, like I wanted to shoot full-time professionally after I got into it and I got the bug, you know, I saw that 
you know, there are these guys out there that are shooting full time and they're shooting professionally. Um, and I wanted to get into it that way. I wanted to be a pro. And as I, I kept shooting, you know, I was always right on that bubble. You know, I, I can't tell you how many times I finished in the top 10 and pro events and, you know, traveled across the, you know, I've been to Morocco and a few other places shooting a bow and it's always been, you know, right on that bubble, like eighth or ninth. And, uh, I got to the point where, you know, I really enjoyed it, but I also, you know, liked the business side of it too. I liked seeing the back end of it. And I was involved with some product development with a few different companies. Um, and as I, you know, kept going and kept being involved in it, you know, I wanted to get into the business side of it as well. So that's when, you know, the relationship with the shrewd company kind of started. And that was really my first, I guess, full-time job in the archery industry, other than working in archery shops and different things like that. So when you, when you were doing the competition stuff, um, and I feel like I'm bouncing around a little bit, but it's like, you're saying, no, you're I'm good. like, I'm like, Oh man, I'm thinking about kind of what you're, what you're saying. And like, Oh, I have questions. Yeah. <laughs> so when, uh, when you do, um, product development, so like to me, product development, mm-hmm. I, I get the idea of, Hey, I'm getting this thing in my hands that may or may not work go figure out how to make yep. it better is that is that kind of what product development looks like for you guys uh, more or less yeah um so the company that i was involved with before pse um, i shot for prime archery for six or seven years and that's how i met a lot of those pros and that you know the lauren guy that i mentioned before mm-hmm. um and you know when i was on that team they were really they were really investing into target archery and they were trying to develop their technology for target archery. So I was involved with, you know, going to the factory and trying to help refine some of the things and to tweak them to where it was exactly what myself and some of the other pros wanted to see out of the bow. Um, so it, the riser geometry, how the cams loaded in their draw force curve, um, and, you know, different aspects to the bow to help make them more shootable for, you know, target archers and competitive archers everywhere. Yeah. So did you spend any time like studying, I guess, the, the geometries of the bows or anything like that? Or was all was all of that um, things that you felt like you'd learned as you went? Um, it's definitely something that I've learned as I've gone. Um when I was in, you know, high school and then a little bit into college, I, you know, I did some engineering classes and some different design classes and a lot of mechanical engineering driven stuff. So I had a little bit of a background in it for sure. But, you know, a lot of, a lot of archery is very, it's very dynamic mm-hmm. and it's hard to quantify a lot of, di- a lot of things that go on with a bow. You know, when you have, you're talking arrow spine and string tension and, the load being put into the arrow it's very dynamic and little tweaks and weights that are on the string it's hard to put a a hard defined number on and a lot of it's not very quantified even now you know there's a lot of stuff that's still up in the air that i don't think people have you know written equations and really nailed down as far as exactly what's going on when a bow's fired so it's a lot more touchy it's crazy. <laughs> it's, it's crazy man and we kind of talked about it the other day just you know the different points and arrows that we've had um and it's crazy like you can go from different material arrows and the dynamic spine will be different so like you can have a aluminum arrow and a carbon arrow that 
you know, they're both a, say they're a 300 spine, which just means when they're put on a 28 inch span and a weight is suspended from it, it deflects 300 thousandths of an inch. Okay. Um, and what that basically does is that the less that it deflects or less that it moves when that weight's suspended on it, it the stiffer the arrow is. And those are typically suited for a heavier bow. Okay. Um, but to go back, I mean, if you have an aluminum arrow and a carbon arrow, when those are shot, the rebound rate. So you put a load into the arrow. When an arrow shot, it flexes and does some weird stuff. I mean, it's right. if you've ever seen a slow-mo video of an arrow, you can see the knock and a point, and it just looks like there's a wave going through it. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, it's vibration, it's oscillation. Um, and that's a uh I always forget the word, but it's a uh like, like an amplitude yeah yeah it's a, a frequency that's being oh, put yeah. into okay. the arrow gotcha yep. um and you can see that frequency in a slow-mo video but the uh the material of the arrow will actually affect that too so like a carbon arrow will rebound and come back to normal and stabilize quicker than aluminum arrow if they're the same spine just because of the you know the properties of the material sure sure it's it's, it's crazy there's a lot of stuff like that that you know, I don't think people have put pen and paper to and really nailed down, you know, it's and a lot of stuff, you know, the same thing goes with rifles. I mean, the, the harmonics in a barrel of a rifle, it's the same, like the harmonics in an arrow. And it's been kind of cool because you see different phenomenons in archery that I've been able to bring into firearms and kind of understand, you know, some of the minute things in firearms and precision rifle shooting because of my experience in archery yeah that's funny that you say it that way because like i've always um compared the harmonics of a barrel and tuning you know tuning a rifle uh to tuning a guitar mm -hmm. because it's, it's very much the same right when you yeah. pluck it you yep. can see that it's out yep. of tune it's the same process huh that's exactly. interesting okay yeah so exactly the same like when you're you're tuning arrows it's exactly like you know load development you're trying to find that that arrow component fitment that, you know, equals up to a tuned bow. And a lot of that, you know, if you get the generic numbers pretty close on arrows, it's pretty easy, but sometimes you got to tweak and do the same thing you do with load development. It's, you know, you're tweaking some weights in the front, weights in the back, etc. So, yeah. Yeah. So now you're doing, or so you will do, uh, you're one of the marketing directors you had for PSE. Was that again yep. kind of a similar question? An organic step from kind of the shroot, shroot into PSE, and, and then the marketing aspect. I mean, it sounds like you've had experience in the engineering side of the world. I mean, it was marketing kind of like yeah. a left field thing for you. It it, it kind of was. Um, when I was brought into PSE, I was initially inside sales, and my job was going to be helping some of our outside sales reps you know, contact their dealers and make sure that we were getting sales through. Um, when I got there, it was, you know, a couple months later, our VP of marketing resigned and it was just kind of left open and we still haven't really hired in another VP. Um, our VP of sales um, took over his duties, like making the final calls, but a lot of his day-to-day -day duties just got delegated to me and a couple other guys. And I, I would say I took the brunt of a lot of it as far as, you know, making sure that the company is going, you know, different directions with marketing and, you know, 
what our strategy is going to be and different things like that. So it, it definitely was something that, you know, I was the right guy at the right time in the right place and I had the right skill set to, to fill a need. Yeah. So you obviously come from, you know, a, a pretty heavily bow hunting and archery related background. Um, and obviously that helped quite a bit, but if there's somebody, you know, like me, for instance, that's like, has a, a fascination with archery, maybe wants to get into the outdoor industry and is trying to learn that may not be kind of in the right place at the right time. I mean, what have you learned that might help people get to a similar spot? Um, it, the first step, if you're going in and you don't have anybody close to you that is involved with archery, the local dealer is always always going to be the best first stop those guys they live the life you know they they know bows inside and out um every once in a while i mean like anything else you're going to find a bad egg but i would say 99 percent of the guys they're going to have somebody on staff that knows their stuff without a doubt um when i worked at an archery shop in phoenix for a while um the guys there you know and everybody in the valley really up there they really knew their stuff and you couldn't go wrong just visiting the local dealer, um, you know, outside of, you know, just visiting the local dealer. It's just time spent. Um, if you're trying to be proficient at anything, the more time you spend with it, the better you're going to get. And I would say that's, you know, really, you know, the biggest thing that I've had is when I was younger and had all the time in the world being in high school, you know, I spent the time shooting my bow all the time. I mean, when, at my parents' house, there's a place or the shooting lane, I guess. I grew up on like seven acres in Indiana nice. and we had a, a shooting lane and there was two footprints at 50 yards. Um, and that was where I shot every single day. I shot 50 yards all day, every day. For whatever reason, that was just the number I liked to shoot. And I just, I, I wore a path and I wore the, the two footprints in at 50 yards. <laughs> so... <laughs> it, it's just time spent hundreds and hundreds of arrows to be it proficient, but, you know, buy the best equipment. It's kind of like optics, buy the best equipment you can afford, not put yourself in debt to get it. Cause everybody makes a good bow and you're really not going to find a bad bow in a, in a pro shop. I wouldn't go to a big box store. They, they do have some good people, but your local mom and pop archery shops are definitely the place to go. Yeah. What, what makes yeah. a good and a bad bow? in your opinion um, that's that's a loaded question i am sure yeah it, it it's a uh, it's tough um and again i nobody makes a bad bow uh, i tell people when i was working in an archery shop you need to shoot all of them and pick the one that feels best to you if if you're in the pro series bows that's safe because you can pick a bow off the shelf if you like the way it feels you like the way it shoots you're going to be successful with it um but, you know, what makes a good and a bad bow, uh, really, just, it's tough. You know, a, a good string set will make any mediocre bow a really good bow in a heartbeat. Um, because strings can, I'm trying to think, it, they, they're a make it or break it kind of thing. Okay. If they move, your bow is never going to be the same. And it's kind of, you want that thing every time you pick it up to hit exactly the same. It's kind of like a Glock. Every time you pull it up and pull the trigger, it's going to go bang. If you have a really good string set, every time you pick it up, it's not going to move. Your sights are never going to move unless you do something different. Right. So other mm -hmm. than that, I mean, 
all the machine parts, even cast or uh, molded molded parts, they're just so good anymore across the board. It's pick one off the shelf. If it feels good, shoot it. Shoot it till it breaks. Run into the ground. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, that's awesome, man. So as a in as as a marketing director, what does your day-to-day life look like? Uh, my day-to-day usually consists of, you know, just kind of strategy and then um, making plans and seeing where the company's going to go as far as, you know, marketing standpoint. And another nice thing is, you know, with PSC, our marketing department is involved with our R&D as well. So we're always involved with what's, what's next. What are we doing next? And uh, it's nice to be a part of, you know, that inside loop, knowing where the company is going to go, knowing what the next thing around the corner is going to be, and then planning accordingly, you know, working on stuff behind the scenes, having prototype bows in our hands, you know, months before launch and being able to, you know, go out, take photos, take video of them, um, planning different launch assets like videos and you know, Instagram stories and posts and different things like that. So a lot of my stuff is really digital based as far as, you know, what the face of PSE looks like to the outside world. Yeah. Did you have any marketing experience leading up into this? Uh, I had, yeah. So when I was at Shrewd, it was a really small company and Mm -hmm. um, I was definitely involved with some different things. Um, One of the coolest things that I think I did, we had a, uh, a series where my wife now, she was my girlfriend back there. We rented a camper and hooked it up to a shrewd pan and we drove it in the Midwest to different events. And we, you know, took photos and different things along that trip. Um, but as far as marketing, like bigger picture stuff, it was, you know, always being behind the scenes and, you know, being able to throw ideas around for launches and product ideas. I mean, a biggest thing in, the archery industry now is everybody's got to be involved with the the product development side of things and understanding what the market wants and what the market needs yeah yeah well you guys are out traveling like that that to me sounds like fun right running around it was a good time yeah part of stuff um did you feel like uh, you took away you know anything like tidbits of information that helps you now or that has helped you or helps you now in your role that you're like man had i not had this experience i wouldn't have known this thing or how to talk to people in this way uh for sure. I mean, and that, I would say that even stems back to the days in the archery shop and, you know, seeing what every guy came through the door, what he was looking at and what he preferred. Um, you know, it, it, every day you learn something new for sure. Um, if I had to sum everything up into like one or two things, wow, that's tough. <laughs> I, <you know. laughs> It's a dynamic industry for sure. It, yeah. It's funny because it's such a small, it's, it's not tiny, but it's a small industry, but it's very dynamic. And it's, I mean, it's vastly ruled by, you know, family owned businesses too, still, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. That is cool. Yeah. I'm learning. It's funny because like the rifle industry is super small and I'm slowly mm-hmm. learning that the archery, you know, industry is about the same, you know, yeah. and uh, yeah. every, everybody knows everybody. Yes. Which yes. is, which is really cool. Um, yeah. Okay. So of yes. all the things that you've kind of learned and experienced, I mean, is there anything that you wish you would have known 
you know, prior to maybe starting at Shrewd or into PSE that you feel other people might benefit from or uh, you wish you would have known that would have been helpful back then? Yeah, I mean, one thing, you know, that is just if you're passionate about something, be as much of a sponge as you can be. And I guess, you know, I've tried my best to do that. But, you know, there's definitely times when you're younger, you don't necessarily keep that in mind. Um, Just asking a lot of questions um, and just, you know, I guess networking is a big thing, too, because being a small industry, you know, just talking to people and who you know goes a long way too. Um, so do everything that you can, I guess. If like, if you were going to get into the archery industry, do everything you can to be the right guy at the right time. Yeah. And, you know, be able to fill any role possible, I guess, and be open to fill any role. Um, yeah. That's another big thing is just being, if it's something that you would want to do, like you got to be open to a lot of things because it will lead to other things, you know, have a very open mind and, never say no, I guess. Yeah. When it comes to networking, um, and I'm kind of asking this for myself too, but like, as a, let's say, let's say you're a guy or a gal trying to get into it, maybe don't have connections, right. Or don't know somebody. How, how did you, or how do I imagine people probably pitch themselves to you, right? How, how do you, what would be the best way for somebody to pitch themselves to you that you would be like, this person is standing out, right? Like how do, how have you found that people market themselves to you to be the right person at the right time? Uh, Ambition is definitely one of the biggest things and being able to bring something to the table that nobody else brings. Um, There's a lot of guys out there that have, you know, like this is such and such outdoors or this is such and such thing but you know it's nothing you know unique and different you know some of the best people out there they bring they put a spin on it and they bring something that's unique but then it's also you know you have to have ambition so even if you weren't trying to be you know an influencer um something you know is just being unique and having something to offer that you know a lot of other people can't um and that can be as simple as just a knowledge base and experience um you know spent time spent with something equates to, you know, understanding something very thoroughly. Um, so I guess ambition and then having something to offer that's unique is definitely two of the main things that I would, I would say is huge. Yeah. That's it's, I, I like that. And it's, it's been a while since I've heard somebody say that. Cause I, that's been a question I've asked a couple of times to various people and I've had a lot of people say, if you want to make it anywhere and people to see Mm -hmm. something, something unique about you, uh, you have to be true Mm -hmm. to who you are and like, kind of like bleed, bleed blue, right. Or whatever it is, you know, whatever the saying is so that, so that at the end of the day, when people look at you, they say, Hey, you know, Caleb is this person and he is like unashamed, unabashedly, whatever, you know, <laughs> like I've, right, I've heard right. that a couple of times and it's, and it's, it's nice to hear it again. Right. Cause I think that, you know, in this yeah. day and age, you look at in terms of influencers, right. It's like, you kind of forget what matters. So has been, it has been, I have such a mush mouth today, dude. I, I apologize. This You're is totally like day um, has been, Working in the outdoor industry been all that has cracked up for you. How about that? Um, I would definitely say that it's it has its ups and downs for sure. Um, 
you meet a lot of really, really cool people. Um, I've been fortunate to deal with a lot of really cool people over the years. Um, as far as, you know, self-ambition and like selfish desires and what I want to accomplish, you know, as far as hunting goes, working in the outdoor industry, you don't get the opportunities that you get um, working a normal job because a lot of your vac- time, like your weekends, you're spent at events or you're spent doing something that takes you away from like the things that got you into it. Um, yeah. You know, me being a tournament archer too, you know, it, it's one of those things um, where I started going to other events that weren't, you know, tournaments, you know, a lot of total archery challenges and different things like that. Um, that took away or pulled me away from that. And there's some other things too, that have kind of pulled me away from that. And it's been a blessing too, because I've gotten into precision rifle and all that, but I guess, you know, circling back, working in the outdoor industry is awesome. You'd meet a lot of people. You get to do a lot of cool stuff. Um, if you like to hunt, it might not be the industry that you want to get into though, <laughs> which is kind of ironic. I don't know anything about tournament archery. Um, yeah. do you mind maybe sharing what that looks like and how that works? Yeah. Um, so tournament archery, there's a handful of different formats. Um, 50% of the year it's spent indoors at 20 yards and you shoot a, a circle either the size of a penny or the size of a half dollar over and over and over again. It's very repetitive and it's honestly, it's fairly boring if you're watching it. It's like watching paint dry, but when you're doing it, it's all about being mentally tough and being mentally tough all the way through the round. Um, There's two major events, I would say in the States, there's indoor nationals and then there's the Vegas shoot. Each one of them, you have to shoot in that half half dollar size target in vegas you have to do it 90 times on a three face and then the indoor nationals you got to do it 120 times on a blue and white face um those are you know 50 percent of the year that that it's a lot of time and a lot of repetitions and it helps it helps you know become a better archer in general too because it's very form based so but going back to one of the earlier questions, if there's something that somebody can do to become a really good archer, it's get to a local range and shoot 20 yards over and over again. <laughs> but um, <laughs> that sounds so exciting. It, it's so exciting, but it, it pays dividends because if you can do the same thing at 20 yards, you can do the same thing over and over. It's the same shot that you would make at a hundred yards um, because you're, your basic motor movements are exactly the same. You're just aiming a little bit higher. <laughs> sure. Sure. So, yeah. And there's other factors when you get outdoors too, but yeah, you know, the basic principle of form and everything, um, 20 yards is, you know, probably the, the bread and butter of archery. Um, yeah. and like, like you were saying earlier, I guess to humble brag, one of the coolest things was making like the main shoot off in the pro class at indoor nationals one time. Um, shooting 120 arrows in that, you know, that half dollar size thing and, you know, going to the big dance and playing against, you know, the biggest names in the industry. That was, it was humbling to me because, you know, I'm looking around and seeing guys that have been doing this for 20, 30 years around me. And, you know, some of the other guys that are in my same shoes. And uh, that was really cool. And being a part of that. Yeah. That's awesome. How long did that take you to get up to that, that level? I mean, you said that you were, snapping in at 50 yards every single day for how many years yo um when i started competing i want to say that was like 
2011, 2010, when I started really shooting competitively and starting to hammer down. And then I would, I think 2015 was my first year shooting professionally at different events. And then that event was in 2018, I believe. That's or 2019. Quite a while. Yeah. It, it, and it's, it's all about the very minute things. Cause I've been, like I've said, I've always been right on the bubble, I guess. And I had been, you know, 118 X's, 119 X's a handful of different times in the years prior. Um, and it's, it's the matter of, it's a game of not inches, but a game of, you know, thousands of an inch. You know, I've missed, I missed getting out of the, or out of the dance by, you know, less than a quarter of an inch a handful of times just because you know you make one little mental hiccup and there goes your weekend (laughs) that's nuts did you ever get like super discouraged at all or were you like pretty level headed the whole time you've been keeled um you definitely get frustrated um i've definitely been frustrated with it too um you know and then you start playing the whole well it's not me it's my equipment thing and you start tweaking and that's just a a dark rabbit hole too and that's another key piece of advice that i like to give people too is get your bow set up and don't touch a thing you you leave it alone and you shoot it and shoot it and shoot it because there's a lot of muscle memory that if you don't leave a bow alone and you change in draw length you're changing peep height you're changing this and that that your body doesn't you know, get accustomed to and just fall right into the same groove. Um, it's kind of like creating a rut in your daily life, but you, you want that in your archery because it's, it's, it gets you that last little tiny, almost indescribable consistency because your, your body is so used to doing it over and over again, that it's just almost second nature. If you just leave the stuff alone. How did you resist changing? Like, like that's, that's, that's a, that's an itch. That's really hard not to go scratch. Oh yeah. It, 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 it's like anything else. I mean, you almost get addicted to tweaking and you just got to go cold Turkey kind of thing. (laughs) 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 I mean, as bad as that sounds, it's, 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 it's something you just have to quit cold Turkey one day and just, this is what it is and leave it alone. Yeah. And is there pretty big, like a pretty big circuit for you to go, to go travel? I know that you said there was two pretty big, uh, stateside competitions that you could go to, but you also said that you traveled internationally. Yeah. 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 So, um, there's internationally there's world archery and they have a indoor world cup series. And unfortunately, you know, recently that's been more difficult, but, um, there's a handful of different stages across the globe. Um, I've been to France a couple times and I've been to Marrakesh, Morocco one time shooting those that's cool was that a pretty sweet experience it was you know um it the 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 time in morocco is kind of funny you know it's an indoor tournament but we shot inside of a big tent (laughs) so it was like a you know like you go to a wedding and they have the the big outdoor facility tents that they hold everybody in it was essentially that with walls and it was cold it was you know we're not so far off the equator where the seasons were mismatched. And I think it was January and we were, you know, middle of winter essentially for them because it was still more towards the equator. Sure. Where they're at. So it, it was chilly. <laughs> it was like 
50 degrees inside this indoor event <laughs> and we're all like this is dumb can't feel <laughs> our fingers to shoot our bows <laughs> um, like it's brisk yeah everybody's on holiday around us and they're like well, it's never this cold <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's what europeans call vacation it's holiday so yeah everybody's on holiday <laughs> and you're like i'm here to shoot bows Yep. <laughs> yeah, that was an experience too. Um, the whole traveling to Morocco, um, it was all self done. So I had to book a charter vehicle to get me to the place we were staying. And then there was a shuttle bus from the event. But I got off the plane and I put in my my flight number like two or three weeks prior, but somehow my flight numbers changed. So I got off the plane and my ride was nowhere to be found. Luckily, the guy hung out and was just chilling over in the corner. And I just happened across him because he saw this lost American looking around and walked up to me. <laughs> and uh, we start driving out and, you know, there's no cell phone service. I don't have GPS or anything. And I'm just looking around like, hmm, this is, this is odd. This is different. This is where there's I die. One of my yeah, one of my first times overseas, and I, I remember vividly going around the corner and seeing an old dilapidated Coca-Cola sign, and for whatever reason, this day, it was like 80 degrees, and there was just, it was like a little market, but they had, you know, animals hanging up front where they were pulling meat off as people wanted the cut of meat, but they still had the whole animal hanging up front in the market, and around the corner, there was a rubble pile, and this boy was just playing soccer where the, you know, the other animals had been discarded behind the rubber pile. And it was, it was kind of a culture shock because I'm a Midwest boy, you know, showing up and I, you know, it was, it was different for me, but, and I'm just here to shoot a bow and arrow, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. I remember the, the first time I, so I went to Mexico when I was younger for mission trips and mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's, it's, crazy when you go to countries like that because you know you grow up in the states and you take a lot of it for granted and then you get down there and realize like i was talking to one lady last week and she was like there was some kids that you know they just want all your socks so they can roll them up into a soccer ball you know and it's just it's just crazy yeah. when you see stuff like that and you're like so this is how like the real world actually functions you know right so yeah it definitely it definitely humbles me and it's one of those things like you know, I was looking at that and it kind of took me back. It's like, huh, I'm here to shoot a tournament. And, you know, this is how it, it just, it was kind of like, oh, I'm very fortunate to be here doing what I'm doing and not, not to say that their lifestyle was any less or different than mine, but I was very fortunate for what my life was and what I was doing at that time, you know? Yeah. It definitely puts a way different perspective on things. Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Cool, man. Well, is there anything else that you feel like maybe is worth sharing or are we glazed over? Uh, no, I mean, I don't think so. Yeah, it's already been an hour, so I don't want to take up your whole Thursday night. No, but... you're good. You're good, man. <laughs> um, cool, dude. Well, I appreciate you sitting down and chatting. Um, For sure. 
Caleb, man, once again, thank you for taking the time to uh, chat with me, share your story a little bit, kind of educate us a little bit more on networking, getting into the industry, tournament archery, all of the fun things. I hope everybody listening had a great time, took some good information away, and uh, we'll catch you next time. 